Hello there. Welcome back to another edition of Trey Chats. This week, I have a couple more great conversations involving Longhorn football and more. Of course, the regular participant each week is Brian Jones. You'll hear from him shortly. First, though, it is another lifetime Longhorn, another guy lucky enough to actually get to put on the burnt orange and play football at Royal Texas Memorial Stadium back before it was I think officially DKR. It is Jeff Ward. He, of course, has a phenomenal podcast that covers sports and a whole lot more. That is the Jeff Ward Show. You can find it by searching Jeff Ward Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, check out his website, jeffwardshow.com, and give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Jeff Ward Show. Jeff, always a pleasure. How are you doing today? Hey there, Trey. So, Jeff, we are seven games into the Longhorn season now. Texas sits at 5-2. and two. It was a nerve-wracking game on Saturday against an inferior Iowa State team that you knew would not only play hard but would also be a well-coached team. And it was a bit of a letdown game for the Longhorns as well, coming off of uh, an emotional high of just an absolute beatdown of Oklahoma and Dallas. Uh, what is your concern level with Texas right now coming out of the Iowa State game, considering they have perhaps their toughest matchup on the schedule coming up this Saturday in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Yeah, well, maybe it is. I don't know. A team out of Fort Worth isn't all bad. The Texas is a lucky break, a dropped pass from a guy that's going to run to Georgetown if he wants. <laughs> they are the entire tone of this conversation and the entire tone of the season would be different if Iowa State didn't drop a ball of guy completely naked on the Texas seven, this conversation they're out of the race. And this conversation has a completely different tone and tenor to it. So they are lucky, although it's a mixture of luck and playing pretty good defense that gets them through an Iowa state game. Um, your offense is going to have bad days always will happen and your defense can save you. And then they got a little bit of luck. So they, they live for another day, another week, another chance is kind of, it's kind of where they are right now. So the concern level depends on how you look at this game. Um, first of all, that takes a lot of energy. I watched that Oklahoma State TCU game, and I'll say this. The Big 12 is better than it's been in a long time. I mean, I, I think you measure leagues by teams two through seven, and I think the Big 12 is better than it's been. It's surprisingly because, you know, Oklahoma's terrible right now, but I think the league is better. And I watched that game of TCU and Oklahoma State, and that would take a lot out of you. I mean, that game was exhausting. It was hot. It was up and down the field. Um, that was exhausting. So for Texas, the optimistic part is they that that's a team that's spent in Oklahoma State. So you're coming off a bad day. You're assuming your offense doesn't have two bad days in a row, and you're playing a team that has been pushed to the brink and has to be tired. There's the upside for Texas. The downside for Texas is one, uh, you got a good, a pretty good front seven. Your secondary makes catastrophic mistakes at times, leaves people just as open as can be. You're not going to be able to get away with that. You're not going to leave guys naked a week from now and live to tell about it. You're, Oklahoma State's going to score. They're going to catch that ball and they're going to score. So that that that's your concern. And your other concern is, can you match them, right? It's one of those 45, 43 games where you just, it's going to look a lot. I assume it's going to look a lot like Oklahoma State TCU. So your quarterback has to have a hot hand. Your offense has to be hot. You you have to score with them. I think that's just a that's a reality. So you you are slightly concerned. Um, I don't know how much to take away out of that beatdown to Oklahoma. Texas did all they needed to do. They played as well as they could. But that Oklahoma team is horrible. They're just bad. It's not a very good football team. So 
Um, your concern is one, your secondary's got to be better. It can't make those catastrophic mistakes. Two, your quarterback's got to have a super hot hand because you got to match the scoring. I think they can do the offensive part. I think the real question for them is, can they play a little bit better in the back end to not give up those giant plays? See, that's the most concerning part to me because I think Quinn yeah. Ewers, even though we saw I hate to even call it regression. He's a guy who's four games into his college career. Exactly. He looked phenomenal against Oklahoma, obviously. But that yep. Oklahoma team, especially without Dylan Gabriel, is literally as bad as some of the really bad Kansas teams we've seen over the last half decade. Oklahoma yep. not as bad this last week. Obviously, they beat the Kansas Jayhawks. Do they themselves are playing with a backup quarterback? But Quinn Ewers is going to go through his ebbs and flows. He is going to struggle at times. We saw that last week. I have confidence that he will look better this week because he strikes me as one of those guys who does play his best when the lights are brightest. And obviously this is a ranked matchup this week, but you're absolutely right. This secondary, which uh, for a long time, was able to call itself DBU, has been anything but for far too long now. It feels like it goes back more than a decade at this point, Jeff. really goes back to probably that last national championship game appearance. Yeah, and you just take this pass, you just take this season. They are an Alabama team that is just kind of a mess all by themselves, but they that Texas secondary was just cut to shreds in the fourth quarter. Or otherwise, they win that game. They have a couple decent stops. They knock down a couple balls, and they win that game, and they should. They are a lucky break, a guy dropping a ball, again, from costing their from costing their team a, a game. And the front seven is probably playing well enough. I think the front seven can get pressure. I think the front seven can do some good things against practically anybody. But if, if they don't get a sack, then that secondary is gonna, could, could expose them again. And I think it's happened – it would have happened twice this year. Happened against Alabama – granted against the best quarterback in the game, but it happened against Alabama and then it almost happened a week ago. They got lucky. They got really, really lucky uh, a week ago. And I, I, I you know, I the body of work isn't good enough there where you, that means you're going to get in a shootout. The one thing that I will say as far as a silver lining for this last weekend is somebody who has watched way too much mediocre Longhorn football over the last uh, 12, 13, 14 years now is that, what happened last Saturday at DKR is the sort of game that a lot of Texas teams over the last half decade, especially, are going to end up losing that losing, game. Losing, yeah. yeah. Perhaps it says something positive about there being a true culture change and Steve Sarkeesian getting this going in the right direction, that this team, despite the fact that they weren't playing their A game on either side of the ball, was able to make enough plays at times, was good enough down the stretch offensively, uh, and in the second half, for that matter, especially because they focused on running the ball, realizing Quinn Ewers wasn't all that accurate. And even though the defense did have its struggles, they made a couple of huge plays in terms of creating turnovers. And that allowed for a, a plus-two turnover margin on the game for the Longhorns. But that interception in the end zone for Jalen Ford, who was playing out of his mind right now, yep. perhaps the Great. best guy on that defense. And then Great. Anthony Cook, who got benched, because he got sucked in on play action on that long touchdown pass that Iowa State had. They give him another chance in that final drive. Sure enough, he comes up and makes a big hit. Wasn't a legal hit, by the way. He did not hit the guy with the crown of his helmet. Right. Even though he hit him higher, he hit him in the shoulder pad. It was just a nice football play. His team was able to jump on the ball after that. So it's finding ways to still make those little plays, even when you aren't playing your best game. That's encouraging for me. Yeah, no, they uh, they closed the deal, um, which in the past they just didn't close. They didn't know how to close. They were afraid to close. They panicked and didn't close. 
they, they there's two answers to that. I mean, yes, one would obviously, I mean, I, I, I think taking Alabama to where they took them psychologically had to help the beatdown against Oklahoma psychologically not had to help. It looked, the Texas program needed some good days. It needed some things to go its way to feel a little bit better about itself. And they've got, they've done some of that this year. They had, they had to feel good coming off almost a perfect game against Oklahoma. But what they do not, has nothing to do with the psychology. What they do better is one, they tackle better, especially the front seven. They just, it's a team that's tackling far better than you've seen a Texas team in the last few years. Uh, they're in good positions. They run to the ball well. They get pressure. They are relentless. And if you do those things on defense, you'll always have a chance to win. And then, oh, by the way, you have the best back in the game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and a pretty good one-two if you, if, you had a, if you had a better kicking game, they would be in a, and you'd, you should be even more confident. Because you play defense and kick, you'll always have a chance to win. In fact, you'll win more times than not. Their kicking game is suspect, so that, that would worry you. Because in a close game, it's going to cost you. In a close game, that's going to cost them. General question for you as somebody who not only obviously kicked at the University of Texas for four years, but you're also a bona fide smart guy. So you understand the value of analytics, of having a lot of data in front of you. We've seen this trend where I think things are becoming a little bit too analytical with yeah. regards to the decisions that football coaches are making and passing what is in most instances, especially at the NFL level, a surefire three points to go for it on fourth yeah. and one or fourth and two and fourth and three and far too often coming away empty handed. Does that frustrate you at all? Yeah, it's uh, I, I guess I'm just old, but when people say analytics to me, it's analytics in only one way. And here, here's what I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can document the odds of going for it instead of taking the points. And again, when you don't have it, your entire focus changes when you can't count on points in the NFL, those guys are so good. You think in terms of, I can count on points. What's scary is when you're coaching and you don't know you can get those points, then you're in a mess. Then, then analytics and everything else becomes confusing. But even if you you want to give your your kicker the benefit of the doubt, I, I think the analytics thing is stupid in that it's pl it's playing on it's playing on points alone, but it's not playing it's not in factor in field position. It doesn't factor in how good your defense is playing. It doesn't factor in the totality of the situation. I I, I just think saying you're gonna well we're gonna convert fifty one percent of the time means we do it is ignoring what if you don't. I mean, what's gonna happen when the opponent gets the ball at midfield? 51% of the time. I mean, I just, I think it's a very narrow way of looking at a game and a situation. I, I, it, it drives me crazy actually. Um, but the worrisome part is when you can't kick well enough to be able to count on those points, then all of a sudden screw analytics. You just go every time. And that's, you just don't I don't like the concept of playing with a short field. I just don't like it. I don't like ignoring field position, especially when you have a pretty good front seven field position is your friend. It's your offense's friend. So that's my argument about some of the analytics. I think it's very one-dimensional. It's just looking at the times you convert, but it doesn't look at what happens when you don't convert.
Mark Twain said it best. There are three types of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. You can get a number to convince uh, people that you were in the right about deciding to do whatever it is. That doesn't necessarily make it right. It's good to have that information in front of you, but there is also a certain intuition that you have to be operating on, using your eyeballs to understand what's been happening throughout the course of the game. The worst example right, right now in all of football is Brandon Staley. I cannot believe that guy's an NFL head coach. He he's literally not going to be much. He's not going to be much longer. Literally right. went for it on fourth and two a couple weeks ago, facing a Colts team that was having an impossible time moving right. the ball with like a minute left or something like that on his own 35. Of course, they don't get it. The yeah. Colts get enough yards to kick that game-winning field goal, and he probably should have been fired at that point. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is that it's it's you're taking <laughs> – I mean, to say it's analytics is not the end of the conversation. It's not the totality of the entire situation because, yeah, analytics might tell you convert 52% of the time. But when you don't, they have the ball at, uh, you know, the 49, they're going to score 80% of the time. I mean, it's just, it's a, it is such a simplified comeback that coaches have fallen on that I, I just, I'm, I'm shocked that more people, especially in the NFL, fall for it. I really do. Okay, Jeff, since we're on the NFL, I am going to get your Texas-Oklahoma yeah. State prediction last. But because we're on the subject of the NFL, the NFL owners are meeting right now, and uh, they're meeting in New York today to discuss, among other things, upping the compensation for Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell, you could argue, is the best commissioner in all of professional sports, probably deserving of a pay raise, even though he makes an absurd amount right now. Well, during today's conversation and vote, which ended up as 31 to 1 in favor of adding to Goodell's compensation, that one dissenting vote was Cowboys owner Jerry <laughs> Jones. And at one point, Jerry and Patriots owner Robert Kraft, who you could yeah. argue are the two most powerful owners in this incredibly powerful sport, had a uh, pretty hilarious back and forth. That if, if I think this happened uh, 30 years ago, you may, we may be talking about hair pieces flying, but hair transplant technology yeah. has gotten a lot better in that time, Jeff. But here's the exchange. Uh, sources, this is according to ESPN, sources said Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in strong support for the measure, with Jones the lone dissenter in the owner's only session, eventually telling Kraft, don't F with me. Kraft replied, excuse me? Jones followed up with, don't mess with me. So he modified the F word the second time. Uh, the measure was then passed shortly after that. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, okay. Jerry? So, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I call it go owners gone wild is what these guys are. They are. I just finished a podcast segment on this. First of all, it is the most powerful cartel on the planet. It is Mafia 10X. They are the most untouchable 32 people, certainly in this country, but probably on the planet. Okay, I mean, think about the two guys that just got into the F-bomb argument. It wasn't that long ago that we last saw Bob Kraft, God help us, naked in a strip center massage parlor. What happened to him? Zero, right? Zero. It's nothing is going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to them. The, the deeper, more sensational story is the threat of Dan Snyder. Here's where the owner's gone wild. The, the gloves come off and it is a full, it's like a Porky's movie. These guys are so badly behaved. Um, so they are, they were going to discuss removing Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder, like the rest of them, is a real piece of work. Sexual 
uh, misconduct, toxic workplace. And oh, by the way, he sucks at running a franchise. That's their bigger problem is that he's bad for business. They need a new stadium there. The franchise sucks and they don't like the fact that the franchise sucks. And so they're going to use these these character issues against Dan Snyder and run him out. And he is a terrible I, human being, by the way. He's, he's, he's a terrible human being, but it's not like the rest of them are choir boys. I mean, let's be clear about who we're dealing with here. Yeah, um, but compared to everybody else, I think he's worse, the worst <laughs> of the bunch, though. You know? But the biggest problem for Dan Snyder is not some moral issue because they all get away with it. They're, they're, no one's going to touch them. Nothing is going to happen to those men. I mean, wasn't that long ago, the Miami Dolphins owner sitting in a car bribing his coach to lose. So <laughs> nothing is going to happen to them. But what's funny about this owner's meeting in particular, Jerry, who's the godfather of the mafia. I mean, he is the most important person in football. He's the most powerful person in football. And Roger Goodell is nothing more than a puppet for the owners. Roger Goodell works for the owners. He's paid by the owners. He will do whatever they tell him to do. The bigger story out of the owners' meetings is not, you know, really important football stuff like these roughing the passer penalties, which has to be addressed, but it's not, is the fact that what are they going to do with Dan Snyder? And the owner of the Colts, who, by the way, not long ago faced four felony counts himself <laughs> for having prescription drugs and $30,000 in cash, came out publicly and said, there's merit to remove him. They need 24 people at these meetings to decide to remove Dan Snyder. What did Dan Snyder do about five days ago? He said, I will get all of you and I'll bring you down with me. He said it publicly that he has dirt on all of them. He then said publicly, I've got dirt and private investigators that have followed Jerry Jones. What did Jerry do? Say it's a non-issue yesterday. <laughs> Connect the dots. I can only wonder what Connect he has. Connect the dots. What oh. does he have on Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones is regularly photographed groping blonde women. Right. That are a right. just, after, just after Snyder said that, there was a story in the Dallas Morning News about a sexual assault claim against Jones. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, or yeah, or the day before, the Morning News reports the sexual assault charge had been dropped, it had been settled. That's within five days of Dan Snyder saying that publicly. Well, okay. I guess I mean, I'm just I, I, I'm I not saying I'm not saying I know it for a fact, but I think you can connect the dots here. Snyder has threatened to bring down the mafia. And so they have an option to kill the guy off, but he's too high profile and they're going to notice, or I'm going to predict this is what happened because I think Snyder, the whole Snyder story is the most volatile thing in football right now. It's not even concussions. They don't care about concussions either, but what they care about is that business, which is incredibly good, incredibly lucrative, and they want to keep it going. And Snyder is threatening to, to make them a story and they're not going to tolerate it. So I'm going to predict either Dan Snyder stays where he is and everybody shuts up and he goes on about his business and acts like a Cub Scout himself, or two, he sells. Three, welcome Jeff Bezos. I guess we did find out, what was it? A he year sells ago? for a lot of money. He sells for a lot of money. Yeah. I guess we did find out a year ago that Jerry Jones uh, does have, a, I guess it's not an illegitimate child. I guess it's a legitimate child that he's been paying off yeah. for decades. Wants, yeah. And she so. wants more. <laughs> Even uh, even the most uh, open and outrageous of people have those skeletons. I guess it makes you wonder. Yeah, what, I, I, yeah. I just, I just dark considering that he did get caught uh, paying for handies at Florida uh, massage parlors. And the reason, and what people forget is that the reason why he was caught is that place was being investigated for human trafficking. 
Right. It didn't just like happen to have a sting set up to catch some old pervy guys in suburban Miami. It was set up because it was being investigated for human trafficking, not exactly a light subject. Next thing you know, Bob is in the owner's box and he's married again. He was going a long way. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I, I think the, I think there's a lot going on there. There's probably a slightly moral side of NFL ownership that is saying this guy, this Snyder guy has done enough. We've had it with this. It's a bad look for us. It's slimy. We want no part of it. And I think behind closed doors, they're pushing to get rid of him. Plus he's just running the business terribly. And I'm afraid the old pervy guys are saying no way. No way, because he's gonna he's gonna out the rest of us. I think that's what Roger Goodell is having to broker right now. Not concussions, not roughing the passer penalties. How these pervy old men are fighting with each other. So does Dan Snyder own the Washington Commanders a year from now? Yes, or it's Jeff Bezos. Hmm. Okay, Jeff right. Bezos, Jeff Bezos, and a minority owner. Because I don't think they'll give, I don't think, I mean, Jeff Bezos could go and just, you know, uh, he could write the check for it tomorrow. But I think there's going to be some, first of all, they have to get it away from Dan Snyder and they got to get Dan to give up on this fight. And they've got to get Dan Snyder to agree to sell and just pay him, overpay him for whatever it's worth, pay him enough where he gets out of the game all, all together. Then they want somebody with a ton of money and a ton of power. There's Jeff Bezos, who, oh, by the way, already has a deal with the network. I mean, already has a deal with the NFL. Yeah, he does have that. Yeah. He's also yeah. the uh, he also owns the Washington Post already. Does does he have some direct connection to the DC area? Um, he has a connection to whatever he wants. Yeah, like what area doesn't he have a connection to? Um, he does get to outer space whenever. He yeah, wants. I was gonna say. I mean, there's, there's nothing is uh, nothing is untouchable for him. So I think that's I think that's what they would all like. And I think a lot of the younger, well, younger, uh, less pervy, less screwed up owners are thinking. Wouldn't it be a better world if we just have Jeff Bezos and his money? Um, mm. And so I think there's part of that happening behind closed doors. Then you got the old pervy guys saying, listen, you know what he's going to tell everybody about me? I, can't, I mean, it's going to get worse. And so he's already made the threat. So I think it'll it's a power struggle between the pervy old owner saying, we got to pat Dan on the back and let him go or else he's going to try to bring us down with him. And you got the younger guys or the less pervy owners saying, wouldn't it be great if Jeff Bezos were involved and not Dan Snyder? You know what? I say they go for it. I say they call BS on Dan Snyder. Oh, we so hope we so. See, we can oh, see I, all I, the I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Now we can, in our business, we can only hope it's pure trash. That's right. <laughs> because he, he's already, I, I, as I'm saying, I don't think it's a coincidence that within days, a story comes out about Jerry Jones and an exotic dancer. Next thing you know, the story goes away on the exact same day that he's saying, He's, he, he did an interview yesterday, one of his 100 interviews or whatever, um, that saying there's no issue with Dan. This is a made up media story. We're not talking about this, which is a direct lie. They are talking about it. The other owners have said they're talking about it, but Jerry all of a sudden is downplaying this. Come on. Hmm. All right. Last question, Jeff. Texas at Oklahoma State this Saturday at 2.30. <sighs> What's your prediction? Uh, the over, first of all. Whatever the I don't even know what the over under is. I'm going to take the over because I think it's a shootout. See, I'm taking half. Really? Yeah. Um, I had that thought a couple of days ago, and I've you know one once I sat through that TC Oklahoma State game, which I think those are two pretty good teams. I do. Yeah. I think Texas is a good team. I, I I think they are. I think that front seven is really something. Um, but I'm going to take the I'm going to take the over. Oof. I don't know how much. 
Let, let me Texas, explain. Texas, Texas gets him at a good time. I just think that's a ton of energy they had to spend. Texas was a little, was a little, um, you know, they were a little sluggish for them, which is good. So the, Texas is due to bust out again. Um, yours is due to bust out again. I think it's in him. I think he's that good of a passer. I think their their offense is due to bust out. Um, I just don't know how tired Oklahoma State is. That's the that's the X factor that would. I'll, I'll take. I'd probably take Texas to win a close game. I would mainly yeah. because I think Oklahoma state's probably tired. I just don't know if you can play at that level at that speed two weeks in a row, not just tired, but a little bit banged up with banged Spencer up. Sanders dealing yep. with some injuries right now that affected him in the second half and overtime of the loss of the Horn frogs last week. And I think ultimately that and Oklahoma state having as physical, but a slightly more talented defense than what Texas saw against the Cyclones last weekend is why I think it'll be a slightly lower scoring game. Hmm. But I think I'm bought in at this point that this is a Texas team that understands how yeah. to make plays down the stretch. And they do have guys who really step it up in situations like this as well. This is a big game for many reasons, Jeff, including the stigma that exists right now for Steve Sarkeesian. Going back throughout his coaching career, he has had a difficult time beating conference foes on the road, and also winning top 25 matchups. He has a chance to check both those boxes off this weekend. Uh, they, he's lost throughout his career two out of every three games in either of those situations. So you combine the two, you don't feel great about that necessarily. But I think Texas uh, it understands what it takes to win games like this right now. The fact that Oklahoma State may be a little bit worn down, maybe a little bit more injured, those work in the Longhorns' advantage as well. I think, Oklahoma, I think uh, Vegas has them favored by about a touchdown right now it's probably a little yeah. bit closer than that i have it as i, a I think it's close i think it's cool i think that's a i would not well it's certainly if you've learned nothing else this season don't bet i mean it's just crazy but I, I can't i can't i mean that would be that would be impressive if texas were to were to do that i can't see him covering the you know to me you give Bijan robinson as many touches early in the game as you can just see what happens just let him go let him go let him go because I I just I watched that TCU game with Oklahoma State. That was a beatdown. It was a lot of work. That TCU team is probably more physical than people realize. And you know that game was was high octane. It was hot. Uh, I I think you I think you pound it at at Oklahoma State to see how tired they really are. The downside for Texas is one of these miss. It's already happened once this year. But you keep missing these field goals. It's gonna it's gonna cost you a game. It's gonna cost you a game. Almost did on Saturday. And it did against Alabama. And it's you get into this stretch of games of the better Big 12 and good teams like this. It's it's the thing that's that's gonna end up, you look back, it's gonna cost you a game. You probably a game you probably could have won or should have won. Hmm. So you have the Longhorns winning by a handful of points then on Saturday. I have them barely winning, whatever you want to phrase it. I I I think the over and I I I think they win again, because I'm betting that. That Oklahoma, I mean, that'd be impressive for Oklahoma State to come back and win this game too. I mean, I, I I think you'd have to be impressed given what they went through a week ago. Yeah, big emotional letdown in that one. He is Physical, Jeff Ford. man. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a I don't get into the feelings. I don't care about that stuff. I'm just saying that those kind of games wear you out. Um, I think Texas had a struggle against Iowa State, but it wasn't pushed and beaten on like Oklahoma State was in a game in the game that they were in. I mean, physically, that's tough to come back from. Physically and mentally exhausting also. 
having to stay so yeah. up each and every game. And, it, you know, you could argue that it's been part of the, the Longhorns problem over the last uh, 14 years now is that they have to get up for games far more often than their opponents because they do have that Longhorn target on their back. He is Jeff Ward. Check him out, jeffwardshow.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, go to the website, jeffwardshow.com, and follow him on Twitter as well, at Jeff Ward Show. Jeff, thank you as always for the time. Look forward to the next right, one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. See you, Troy. We go from one former Texas Longhorn player to another. It is our weekly chat with the great Brian Jones. He of CBS, the lead college football analyst for their studio show. BJ, pleasure as always. How you doing this week? I am doing magnificent, sir. I am cool, man. We had a great game last week at Alabama-Tennessee. Wow. That was uh, through the roof. (laughs) Yeah, game of the year so far, not just because uh, Alabama lost the game, but that was an exciting back-and-forth affair. Yeah, that was was nuts. And and so these last couple weeks, A&M, Alabama, now Tennessee and Alabama, they've been uh, pretty good for us over at CBS, and we'll see what LSU and Ole Miss can bring to the table this weekend. Is Hendon Hooker your Heisman frontrunner right now? I don't see how he could not be, man. But Bryce Young, with his performance, over 400 yards passing, uh, coming back from the the game, of course, he didn't play in. Uh, He put on a show. uh, But Hooker has been fantastic. He's been phenomenal. He uh, threw finally his first pick uh, over the the season, three last year, now just one this year. Uh, He's got to be there. I'd say if he's not one by himself, one B. I don't know who else. You know, Blake Corum is having a fabulous year. What they did to Penn State, he and Donovan Edwards running for 418 versus Penn State. I put Corum on that list. You've got DTR out at, at UCLA. They have a big game versus Oregon. Uh, but uh, Hendon, he's got to be right up there, man. We'll see what CJ Shaw does uh, this weekend. Well, they have Iowa. That's a pretty good defense, although Michigan scored 27 on them. Uh, so, I'd say Hooker and Young right now. Hmm. Yeah, you'd like to put Bijan Robinson in that conversation, but I think that Texas Tech loss has them just on the outside looking in. Perhaps Texas can continue to figure out ways to take care of business and he can find himself squarely in the conversation before it's all said and done. Speaking of, BJ, this last Saturday, Texas figured out a way uh, way to win. It was ugly on both sides of the ball for the Longhorns, but ultimately they do persevere 24-21 over an Iowa State team that is in a rebuild year. They don't have the luxury of just having a roster filled with four- and five-star guys, so it does take them a year, sometimes two, to get back to form. A defense stout, as we talked about last week, and uh, they did provide a challenge to that Longhorns offense, which was a little bit off, and it really started with Quinn Ewers not hitting open guys down the field. No doubt, and I apologize for my office phone here going off, but uh, you're right. Ewers, uh, he got off to a shaky start. He uh, misfired on some guys downfield. Uh, the uh, was it, who's eighty-eight? Sorrell, or is that Kane? I'm sorry, Kane. Yeah, Casey Kane. Yeah, Casey Kane uh, missed him. On, it could have been an early touchdown. 
Uh, of course, he hit Kane later in the game, and Kane bobbled it and dropped the ball. Uh, so, but early on, he, he, yeah, he missed Brian. He, he wasn't on point, and, and that's going to happen sometimes. But you're correct, man. This is an exceptional defense. Uh, while they're missing some pieces offensively and lost a couple on the back end, that defense up front, those guys, they're, they're technically, they're sound. I love watching them play. Everyone knows where their gap, where their fit lies. They get there. They don't play fat or in a hurry, but they play fast. And their physical bunch. Uh, it was surprising that McDonald came back number nine this year, the defensive end, defensive end for them. But you love watching those pieces fit, and you know it's going to be a physical afternoon. But Bijan got his man. Uh, that dude has some sweet feet. Oh my goodness! And, and unfortunately, if we as we've discussed, I'd rather him have to start all that dancing once he crosses the line of scrimmage than guys meeting him as he's getting the rock. Uh, but they spread him out. He made a, a, a big catch. Right before the half, uh, they put him out there. He ran a little, little post route, went up and caught it, and that led to, I think, Jordan Whittington's uh, quick slant touchdown uh, grab. And Jordan's having a, a great year. I mean, that push he did of Roshan Johnson, third and one, there to seal the victory, that was outstanding. And he, he, was, he was just following, tracking his guy. I think it was 47 for their defense uh, that he was tracking. He was trying to get inside of him, and that guy, of course, crashed down to try to stop the third down stop. And 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 uh, Whittington just followed him and ended up, you know, on top of him and and Roshan Johnson pushing Roshan past the the first down marker. So uh, they got it done. This is the type of game they would have lost a year ago. This is the type yeah. of game they would have lost two, three years ago. So you right. have to find a way uh, to win these type of gun, uh, games. Uh, Cook. Man, there was some misfiring in that on the back end. Once uh, Watch went out, they put that number four. I want to say it's Jordan Austin freshman Jordan, out yeah. there, and he's playing outside technique, thinking he's got inside help. And Cook bites on the run fake, and that just leaves the middle of the field wide open at number thirteen. Iowa State takes it to the house, of course. And then later that last drive, there was some miscommunication in the secondary. The, the one at number eight for Iowa State. He doesn't make the grab. Lucky for Texas, or they're right there, you know, inside the the, the five yard line, or uh, and, and and yet he doesn't catch that. And you see uh, Jameson and and you see Cook talking about that that particular coverage because they they misfired on that one, man. Uh, that could have really hurt him. But Cook makes up for it, comes and put a wicked shot on the quarterback Decker, and causes the fumble and. From my vantage point, it didn't seem as though his knee was down, and I'm glad they called it a fumble on the field because if they had said it wasn't a fumble on the field, it would have been hard to reverse that as it was difficult to reverse and say it was not a fumble. Yeah, and by the way, although we're not hearing this out of Longhorn fans, I've seen plenty of other people suggesting that that was a targeting call that was missed. That was not a targeting call. He didn't hit him anywhere close to the crown of the helmet, and even though he hit him higher – the quarterback had not given himself up there. Deckers was doing that all afternoon. Apparently, he went to the Charlie Brewer school of not knowing when he needs to slide feet first. He left himself exposed there, and he got hit hard in the shoulder. It was just a nice right. play for Anthony Cook and his teammates to uh, to gather up the fumble. That was a hell of a hit uh, on, on the quarterback. And at that point, he's a runner, and, and Cook didn't go head hunting on that play. Now, Decker, to his credit, 
really affected change running that zone read in, in Texas. Yeah. They're going to see a lot of that this weekend when they take on Oklahoma State and, and a much faster quarterback in, in Spencer Sanders. Uh, so they definitely need to shore that up. And I, I number 18, I, he just he just can't set. When he does set the edge, the backers don't flow enough. There was one play where the Diamante, number three, doesn't flow and, and 18 set the edge. I have to give him credit. Now you got to flow as a linebacker to that B gap, and boom, you run right into the damn running back if you just keep going and stop. I don't know why they keep stopping. They can get some just kill shots, if you will, man, if they just continue to flow and take care of their gap. But the one touchdown Decker does score, I think it was a go-ahead touchdown. They parted to see. I want to say they were playing uh, a quarters, and I don't know why the backers split as far as they did and, and yet he just had open field to run and, and, and of course, exploited that and, and scored a touchdown. So, as you said, there were some mistakes. There were things that didn't go this team's way. Quarterback starting off a little slow. Uh, you, you had the defense making some mistakes, but they found a way to win. And, and that's what you want to see in this football team as they continue to grow. Yeah, you got to give credit to Matt Campbell and the Iowa State offense for coming out with a good game plan, moving Deckers around uh, all over, having him roll both ways once he got the snap, occasionally staying in the pocket and knowing when to call a timely quarterback sneak as well as with that uh, as what what they did on that touchdown run. And uh, even though there is still some frustrations with the front six for the Longhorns at times, BJ, it has to be really good to see just how Jalen Ford has been playing these last several weeks now. Another big game for him in terms of stopping the run and then helping out uh, in pass coverage as well. Yeah. Huge interception in the end yeah. zone. No, no doubt. That was that was big. I don't know what Decker saw there because if, if Ford doesn't get it, the, the the defensive back that was covering the receiver he was targeting, he, he's probably going to get it. But a great uh, drop by by Ford getting right in that that line of sight of the quarterback and stopping another Iowa State drive. Yeah, he continues to get better, and that's what you want to see. Either getting better, or you're getting worse, and you want to continue to witness this growth. And they'll have another big test this weekend. So speaking of that big test this weekend at Oklahoma State, one of, if not the most raucous environment in the Big 12, uh, a Cowboys team that is coming off of a disappointing loss to uh, a better-than-expected TCU squad this last weekend in Fort Worth. Spencer Sanders a little bit dinged up right now. So Oklahoma State defense, even though numbers-wise, I know it's Iowa State that's the best in the conference, I think they have a legitimate claim as the best in the conference when you take their technique to go along uh, with the skill on the roster. And then also, there really hasn't been much of a drop-off with Jim Knowles leaving the offseason, going to Ohio State. Uh, obviously, Derek Mason steps in, even though he's not trying to mess with too much, still tinkering in all the right ways. Uh, how do you see this one playing out for Texas on well, Saturday? I, I, I think it's, I, I was singing, I, I was giving them high praise after that Baylor win, this Oklahoma State defense, then not so much against Tech, but then they reeled off 18 unanswered points and the defense stepped up. But last week, this defense for Oklahoma State took a big step back. Yeah, TCU, uh, they threw, they ran on them. They did whatever they wanted. And and Oklahoma State's up 14 to nothing early in that ball game. Of course, it goes overtime and TCU wins. Uh, I didn't think they played it. They're not happy watching that film. There's no way they could have been happy watching that film as a defense uh, Sunday. Uh, especially you're upset because you didn't win the ball game. But they weren't as physical as I've seen them play earlier. 
I feel like a big part of that, BJ, was just what was happening offensively for the Cowboys. They were having a hard time getting anything going. Sanders suffered an injury at some point, I think, in the second half, and it clearly affected uh, what he was doing the rest of the way. I just feel like they just kind of got gassed in the fourth quarter of that game, and it obviously carried over into the overtime. Too. And Sanders, maybe that's the reason why he, he was only, what, 2 of 13 in the second half, I believe. Uh, yeah, he, he was not looking uh, – like the guy we saw in the first half uh, when they were they were scoring. Um, so they're going to run downhill. They're going to be very physical. Richardson kid is back up. That's what they do. You better get ready to play the cutback because there was a lot of zones, uh, schemes, and, and, and the running backs cutting back. So Texas, do your damn job. Just take care of your gap, not try to do too much, or you're going to be gashed by uh, these zone runs. And you, you've got to – if you're that in, don't crash down there on these zone reads, especially if something coming back across your face. That should tell you right then and there, okay, they're coming back this way. Uh, so you, you've got to be disciplined, uh, and, and we'll see how healthy Sanders is. But, uh, you know, that Presley kid, uh, and he, he's a guy you can really count on and they count on. Uh, 17 is another big target. Uh, and, and then they had drops in that game last week, just breaking down yeah. that film. They didn't tackle well. Uh, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and, and you mentioned it. It's going to be a difficult place, difficult setting in which to go in and, and, and get a W. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Steve Sarkeesian and his coaching career has had a hard time on the road in conference and also against top 25 competition, literally losing two out of every three games in each of those circumstances. Those circumstances combine this weekend in Stillwater. So what's your prediction with this game, BJ? I think it's going to be difficult. I said last night on our Inside College Football Show, Okie State would win. So I have to stick with that. And my my last time I saw Texas on the road uh, in a uh, a true road game, it, it didn't fare so well. And that was at at Texas Tech. And, and I'm still seeing some, some little mistakes on defense that can come back and bite this team. We've discussed a few of them. The zone reads, uh, not scraping and getting to your gap. Uh, and, and the, the miscommunications on the back end, you cannot have that. And I know they, they threw some freshmen uh, in there once Watts got hurt. Uh, we mentioned Jordan, uh, number eight. Uh, his name is like, escaping me uh, currently, but I believe he's a true freshman. And you want those guys, Gilbo was in there, number 13. You you, you want them to get some run, and they're, they're highly recruited. So there's a reason why uh, they're, they're out there, and they're going to take some – some hits, unfortunately, but you want you got to have that communication down, especially on the road in a place that's going to be just crazy. Uh, they hate Texas, as does every fan base uh, in, in, in the uh, the conference. It was amazing watching Oklahoma and <laughs> uh, Kansas, and they're doing the inverted hooking. We just kicked y'all's ass. You should worry about Kansas and finishing that deal uh, instead of worrying about us, but we know that's – how things roll when it comes to the Texas Longhorns. So uh, just understand that going on the road in Stillwater, it's not going to be a friendly environment. 
No, it is not. Looking around the rest of college football this weekend, let's start with the game you guys are broadcasting on 2.30 on CBS. That would be number seven Ole Miss traveling to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. LSU is actually a two-point favorite right now, BJ, even though the Ole Miss uh, run, uh, Rebs are a top-ten team, obviously. Uh, does that surprise you at all, and who do you think wins this game? I am surprised, even though L LSU is at home and Mississippi State rolled into their undefeated, and they were favored, and, and of course, LSU uh, took care of them. Uh, I'm leaning LSU, though, at home. And uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, what he did at Florida uh, – three rushing touchdowns, the way he's spending it. I think he and that those receivers, and they have receivers of plenty <laughs> there at LSU, starting with Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, they're licking their chops watching this back end for Ole Miss. But I'll tell you one thing, this number three for Ole Miss. I don't have his name down yet, but I will have it down by Saturday. Just breaking down that Auburn film, he will bring it. He will hit you. He, 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 he'll run up there and he'll hit offensive line. It doesn't matter. He will he would throw his body into harm's uh, harm's way. Uh, I'm not that um, you know hyped about their linebacker play. A couple guys flash on the defensive line, but they rushed for 418 versus Auburn did Ole Miss, but they gave up over 300 to to Auburn as as well. So these backs, the quarterback, and and the receivers have to be thinking, hey, we can we can make some hay against this uh, Ole Miss defense, and they may have to outscore them because the Offense, you see Ole Miss runs similar to what Texas does. A lot of misdirection, you know, zone reads, pistol concepts, a lot of that stuff uh, that Lane is doing. Of course, he and Coach Sark were, were hitched at the hip or joined at the hip. So uh, they, they've got a lot of offensive uh, thinking that, that aligns. But it should be a fun ball game. But I'm going to lean LSU at home, man. All right, that is noted. The one top 10 matchup of the weekend also happening at 2.30 on Fox. The number nine UCLA, number 10 Oregon. And BJ, this game is headlined by some really good quarterback play for each of these teams this year. Bo Nix has uh, been one of the biggest transfer pickups for any team in college football this year. Surprising, really. Uh, I'll tell you this, you, you look a, a lot of comparable stats. Uh, both are sit atop the conference in rushing, uh, both quarterbacks are 70% passers or better in conference play. Uh, third down conversions, they're both 50 or better. Uh, so defenses, you got to find a way to get off the field. However, Bo Nix, his last home game, I believe that was Stanford, he only hit 55% of his passes. His legs have been doing the talking. So so have those legs of uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I think LSU, excuse me, UCLA edges them out. I believe they will edge them out and get the win. They're all in three in their last uh, three against uh, Oregon. Uh, and so I, I think uh, they can get them. They got some dynamite wide receivers. This Bobo kid, the transfer from Duke, has really been putting on a show. Their defense, very physical. Uh, and they got some cats that can fly on that side of the ball. But that should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to that, to that one as, as well. But I'm going to lean UCLA. Six o'clock game back to the SEC, number 24, Mississippi State at number six, Alabama. The Tide are 21-point favorites, and uh, yeah, they're going to come into this game a little bit ticked off. A little bit of a letdown for Mississippi State last week, even though it was a ranked Kentucky team. They thought they could win that game, and uh, they lost in a slightly embarrassing fashion. Any chance uh, Alabama ends up dropping two straight when this weekend's all said and done? None whatsoever. Uh, what's the old Hulk Hogan? Uh... 
The Hulk, you too young to remember The Hulk, the TV show, uh, Bruce Banner. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Well, Alabama's damn angry, especially at the manner in which they lost last week. Uh, so I think they win this ball game. Uh, they'll play better in that back end uh, than they did last week. And Mississippi State's every year, just when you think, okay, you can believe in this team, they go and lay an egg as they did last week on the road uh, at Kentucky. They had 22 yards rushing, and they've been singing the praises of their running game and the balance in the offense. Did nothing there. Uh, you know, Will Rogers the third. They did nothing. It just they had 13 penalties. Bama had 17 in their loss to Tennessee. Mississippi State at 13. And now you're gonna uh bang on that Bama door and they're gonna let you in, but you can't check out. <laughs> I remember the Hulk. That was the uh hearing impaired guy who was painted green, right? Yep, there you go. Yeah, and the uh, the final ranked matchup of the night, seven o'clock on FS1. It's a Big Twelve affair. Number seventeen, Kansas State. Number eight, TCU. I am really looking forward to this, BJ, because one team does a great job throwing the football. The other one, really good at running the football. That being the Wildcats, of course, with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. Uh, TCU is a three and a half point favorite right now. Who do you have winning this one? I'm leaning TCU. I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs. They've proven a lot over the last few weeks. They can score with anyone. Uh, they may be a bit tired. That's what my my colleague Rick Neuheisel said after these last couple of weeks, man. They, they've had some, some big ball games on the road at Kansas, then at home last week versus um, uh, Oklahoma State going into overtime. The fact that that's a night game may bode well for them, give them a little extra hours to, 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 to rest up. But you're right, Kansas State, it's all about running the rock, whether it's Adrian Martinez or Deuce Vaughn. Where are the explosive plays? So if you can stop those two, I think this defense can have a pretty good night. And offensively, you know, Miller, uh, Kendra Miller last week running the ball because Duggan is still doing his thing, man. It, it, what a redemption story for him. And no one, I haven't seen anyone that can cover this Quentin Johnson, uh, number one at receiver. Uh, so if they're not too tired, Rick Neuheisel, <laughs> I think TCU wins the ball game. Yeah, their skill guys on the outside could give a this Longhorn secondary some fits in a couple of weeks yep. and clean certain things up. He is Brian Jones. Make sure to check him out this weekend on CBS. He is their top studio analyst for college football. And you can hear him every week on trade chats during the football season. BJ, thank you as always. Have a great rest of the week. You got it, baby. Hook them. All right, another episode is in the books. Thanks again to Jeff Ward for hopping on first. Brian Jones, as you just heard, of course, second. And thanks to you for checking us out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button below the screen. And please do make sure to subscribe to the On Texas Football YouTube channel. It's that red button right there. Just go ahead and click it now if you have not already. For Trey Chats, I am Trey Elling. We'll talk to you next Wednesday afternoon. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the week and hook them.